Well, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 3 John. Now, this is not John chapter 3, but 3 John. 3 John. This is, in the Greek, actually, the shortest book of the Bible. Now, if you look at just mere scriptures, the one right before this, 2 John, uh, if you look in the English, it appears to be. And so, uh, if you put those two together, these are the two shortest books of the Bible. So, we're going to do a whole book of the Bible today. Hopefully, you came prepared to do that, and you came prepared to give your shoes away, too, I hope. Um, the measure, what is the measure of a man? Do you remember when you were a kid, maybe you remember this, and we, matter of fact, we still measure our children sometimes. Remember when you were a child, and your parents would put you up against a wall, or some of you have a bad memory of your parents putting you up against the wall, but nevertheless, uh, and they would measure you. And they would see how tall you were. Maybe it was your yardstick. Maybe at one point you were this height. And it was always so exciting to get to that height where you outgrew the yardstick. You know, maybe you were trying to go to Six Flags and you could get on any ride once you got taller than the yardstick. And then as you got older, you were measured by a tape measure. And so, you know, we'd put the tape measure and we'd go down and we'd see how tall our children are. We'd make a little mark. And that's how you would measure the height of your child or you as a child. That's how you would measure your height. But what this is inadequate for and what it won't do is measure the heart of a child or the heart of a man. How do you measure a man today? Now, uh, the definition of measure is is this. Um, It's what you do with the power and opportunities that God gives you. What do you do with the power and the opportunities that God gives you? That is your measure. The opportunity in life that God gives you to make a difference, to make an impact. What is your measure today? Now, uh, we will be studying, we're going through the book Galatians. We'll start back again next week, so I encourage you to read Galatians chapter 4. When we get to Galatians chapter 5, there's something called the fruit of the Spirit. And it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, and goodness. Okay, These are all the fruit of the Spirit. And it really gives a picture of how you are living out your faith, how God is controlling your life, the Spirit of God as it's flowing throughout your life. It's a picture of the measure as as it manifests itself to the world. And this particular book that we're looking at, in particular, uh, John 3 or 3 John, it's how there's three men that are listed here, and how is the Spirit uh, manifesting itself in their life? How are they measured, so to speak? And so we're going to look at three different people and the measure and the impact that they're making in this brief letter. This is John, the apostle, the beloved John. Remember, he was in the inner circle with Jesus. And John is the only disciple that we believe, according to tradition and history, that actually wasn't martyred. We know he was boiled at one point, which was probably pretty bad and scarred him for life. But he didn't die from that. And so John now, later in his life, we believe this written somewhere probably between 80 and 90 AD, is writing out this letter to the church. And he sent it to the church here. He sent 1 John, John chapter 2, and John chapter 3. Matter of fact, there's probably another letter that didn't make it to him, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. And this is John here writing, and he's talking about an issue. Now, in John, in 2 John, the letter right before this, again, the very short and brief letter, 
he was talking to someone about, hey, you've got to operate in truth. It's very important that truth and that orthodoxy reign supreme. What do I mean by orthodoxy? It means right belief, proper belief, proper doctrine, understanding. And he's talking about that. But in this particular chapter, he's talking about what we might call orthopraxy, which means living it out. It's living the truth out. It's the attributes and the spirit that you're living it out in. Now, I want to give you an illustration this morning, if you don't mind, if you can see back here. And I want you to look at this for just a moment. And um, I, I want to move this and see if I, I can move it properly. Got a little music going back there today. All right. And so this is a bike, of course. And um, what a bike typically looks like is this. All right. Typically, a a bike looks like this, and it has two wheels that are the same size. And this is what a bike should look like. If you're going to ride a bike, you're going to ride a bike properly, this is what it should look like. You know, you might pick a different color, but um, this this is what a bike should. Both the wheels are the same. It's balanced. It's ready to be ridden, okay? So this is what a bike should look like, all right? Now, for some people, we're talking about the orthopraxy and orthodoxy. Some people have this. They have a big, what you might call, front wheel, all right? They have a big front wheel, and their front wheel, you know, looks pretty good, their, uh, their heart, and this is John chapter 3, their heart looks good, and they look like they know what they're doing, and they, but I'm not one of those people, apparently, <laughs> that knows what they're doing. You know, this worked a whole lot better at Brent Murphy's house. I wish he was here right now. And so, they have a big, what we'd call front wheel, Okay. And so their front wheel is, they're kind, they're nice people. We always meet people like that, don't we? Or we meet some people in our lives, they're kind and they're nice, and they're sweet people. And John 2 was talking about this. Second John was talking about this. They had a great big front wheel. They're very kind, trying to do what's right. I'm trying to be good, trying to be a good person. And people would say I'm nice. But what they have is a small back wheel, okay? And that small back wheel, this is the orthodoxy. This is the right belief system, okay? This is the right belief. And so they have a good attitude and a nice spirit and a nice heart, but they have an improper belief system. In other words, they don't recognize the gospel. They don't recognize that God uh, is holy, that God is just, and that God is perfect, and that mankind, that we're all sinners. And what we have to do is we have to come to the right belief where we recognize that because of our sin, and no matter how good we are, we are dependent upon a holy God to forgive us of our sins. And he did that through Jesus Christ. And so it's important and it's imperative because this is where the power comes from. This is what bears the weight is right doctrine, right belief, understanding the gospel and knowing the gospel, okay? So sometimes people can be really nice but not have a good foundation of what they believe. And what happens when things really get tough? It blows away. Because just being nice won't be enough. Having a big front wheel is not enough. And so that's what Second John's talking about, okay? Now, 
What happens, now what Third John is actually about is this. It's actually the opposite. It's talking about people who have the doctrine right. You ever met somebody like this? They got the doctrine right. But they've got a little front wheel. Now, that looks excited. That's not imbalanced, is it? You ought to try to ride a bike like that, you'd have all kind of problems. See what I mean? When you have a small front wheel, you're not going to be endure much. It's not going to work well. Life, matter of fact, people are going to look at it and just go, something's not right about you. You know, something isn't right about this guy. And that's what John, that's what John is talking about. He's talking about a brother in Christ who knows all the right stuff. Matter of fact, he's a leader in the church. He knows all the biblical information, but his heart is not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. He's got a small front wheel. So I'm going to ask you this morning. You got a big front wheel? You're a nice, sweet person. But you go, you know, I don't really know the Bible. I haven't really studied. I just think we should be nice to everybody. I think everybody's going to get there. And you got a small back wheel. Some of you, you know what? I've been raised in church. I know the stuff. I know the doctrine. But your attitude stinks. People don't like you. They don't like to be around you. you got a small front wheel. And they look at you like this. Okay? So do you have a, a big, large, a big back wheel? You know the stuff. You know the doctrine. But when you demonstrate out of your life, you just show very little, very little grace. Here's another way to understand it. This is truth. This is grace. Grace, truth. Some people are all about grace, all grace, but all grace with no truth. That doesn't lead anybody to Christ. That doesn't reflect the kingdom. But all truth, I got the stuff. As a matter of fact, I do not taint myself with people who don't believe. Then you got a small front wheel. You look weird. Okay? So the truth is, do you have a small back wheel? Do you have a small front wheel? Some people just have small wheels in general. But, or are you balanced with grace and truth? This is what our life is supposed to look like. Okay? Here's grace. Here's truth. Orthopraxy, orthodoxy. I know what I believe. I've studied to show myself proved as a workman that need not be ashamed, that can rightly divide the word of truth. But I live a life of grace. I, I believe Jesus when he said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who gives his life away finds life. Grace, truth. Not one or the other. Christ didn't ask you to just believe correctly. And he didn't ask you to just live correctly. He asked you to live in grace and truth. So when you look at your life this morning, how does it reflect? And as we look at this text this morning, we will see. We will see a man who lived in grace and truth. And we'll see a man who lived with truth, but not grace. Have you have your Bibles? Turn with me to John 3, 3 John. Jude, Revelation, the very last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. Right before that is Jude, and right before that is 3 John. So if you want to go to the back of your Bible, you're almost there. 3 John, and it goes like this. To the elder of the beloved, and the elder right here speaking of John, by the way, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Now, Gaius is the most popular Greek name in the first century. 
There are more people. There were more people named Gaius than any other name. Its, it's uh, etymology is that of joy. And so a lot of people would name their son Gaius. Not so much now, but in that time, a lot of people would name their son Gaius, and that's what his name is. And we believe, some scholars say, we believe this is probably the same Gaius that Paul thinks in Romans chapter 16, verse 23. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Now, let's just look at this for just a second, okay? So here's John. And he's speaking to Gaius, who is some form of a leader or an influencer in the church. And he says, I love you in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. It appears that he's sick, okay? It appears that Gaius is physically not feeling well in some sense or fashion. And as it goes with your soul. Now, what John is saying, now, you may not be feeling physically well, but I know that your soul is healthy. One of the first things we see about Gaius is that he's spiritually healthy. He understands grace and truth. See, you're spiritually unhealthy when your, your back wheel is small or your front wheel is small, okay? But he is spiritually healthy. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, their truth, your doctrine, your doctrine is right. What you believe is correct. And they say that you are teaching, you are speaking what is truth. You understand the gospel. He continues here. And he says, and indeed you were walking in the truth. That's the grace. You not only knew the truth, the large back wheel, but you also had a large front wheel. You're walking in it. You're living out the truth. You're, the fruit of the Spirit is, is being seen and evident in your life. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, which means that John has probably led him to Christ, that they are what? Walking in the truth. Now, before you can walk in the truth, you've got to know the truth. That doesn't mean that you'll necessarily live out the truth, but you've got to know it first. So it's a primo. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers that they are, who testify to your love before them. Now, what he's, he's talking about a term specifically called hospitality. Uh, matter of fact, sometimes it's even translated as lover of strangers. It means someone who welcomes others in, someone who invites. And it's not just come to my home and have a meal, though that's hospitality, but it's welcoming. You know, I, I love the story. We shared it last week. Um, Brett Taylor, who was in a, in a motorcycle uh, gang, Brett Taylor, yeah, he accepted Christ. We were, he was baptized, and he said one of the things that uh, led him to come over here was when he visited with a friend that people in this church went up and welcomed him and said, hey, we're so glad that you're, that's hospitality. Every week at this church, we have, this, we have the opportunity to demonstrate one of the hallmark characteristics of Christianity, and that's hospitality by welcoming people. I've told you so many stories of people. I remember a gentleman who came over and said, hey, I visited your church the last two weeks. And he said, we just moved here. My wife has terminal cancer. She's about to die in the next six weeks. And I just thought, I just want somebody to know my name. And he had sat in our congregation for the last two weeks, but he hadn't met anybody. Hey, we never know who's around us. And you might say, well, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Let me tell you something. If you know Jesus, you ought to be able to demonstrate a spirit of hospitality. If you don't know him, then you probably won't. Now, some of you don't like that. I'm sorry. You might want to take that up with Jesus, okay? For they have gone for the sake of the name of accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Excuse me. 
You will do well to send them on their journey in a worthy manner. He's talking about people who've come in that weren't a part of the church. He's talking about missionaries who had come through, people who had needs. He said, for they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church. Now, I want you to notice what he just says here. John's saying, I have written something to church. In other words, he sent another letter. I wrote something to the church. But now we're going to talk about another guy, Diotrephes. Okay, nobody names a kid Diotrephes anymore, by the way. Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. Now, here's somebody with a small front wheel. This is Diotrephes right here. He knows the stuff. He's in some form of leadership in the church, but he's got a small front wheel. Why? Number one, it says because, what does he say? He likes to put himself first. And apparently, John sent a letter before this, and Dietrich threw it away. We don't have a copy of it. They don't know about it. But this one now is being delivered by Demetrius. And so, they're getting it. It's being hand-delivered uh, by someone he trusts. And he says he likes to think of himself first, <clears throat> and he does, acknowledge, he does not acknowledge our authority. He's self-centered. It's about me. Number two, I don't recognize the authority. I don't recognize John's authority. Hey, if you weren't going to recognize John's authority, you were just, I mean, who else were you going to recognize humanly on earth at that point? Okay? He's one of the leading disciples, uh, one of the, in the intimate circle of Jesus. Matter of fact, many of the disciples, if not all of them, have died by now. I'm not, I'm not recognizing that. This is my church. You ever heard anybody like that? I have. Lewis, you ever had anybody like that? <laughs> Don't give a testimony right now. All right. So he likes to put himself first, and he doesn't acknowledge authority. John is writing a letter about this guy. John thinks it's significant enough that he needs to address it. So if I come, I will bring what he's doing and his talking wicked nonsense. He's gossiping. There's there's our way to say it right there. He's gossiping. And he continues on here and uh, in verse 11. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome brothers and also stops those who, who want to come in and puts them out of the church. So there are other people trying to come in. They go, I, I, no, I don't think this is for you. No, you can't come to church here. No, I, I don't think this is going to work. And matter of fact, what? Hey, you're, 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 you're not following right. You're not following my leadership. You're trying to obey with John or you're trying to connect with John and you're just causing problems. You're going to have to get out too. I remember when we first started our church, boy, it was like a test. I didn't know it was a test at the time, but I had this guy that came in and said, and he had such Bible knowledge. He had all this Bible knowledge. He's wanting us to use all this curriculum. He just had a lot of Bible knowledge, but he, um, he was a mess. He just wasn't very positive. He had a very small front wheel. He had a large back wheel, but a very small front wheel. And he was just always, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I remember one time, we had one of the ladies in our church pray for Mother's Day. We had to get up and say a prayer. And boy, he lost it. I can't believe you let women pray in the church. Don't you know what the Bible says? I mean, he almost said it like that. I'm thinking, yeah, I do, but I don't think you do. And so we visited for a while, and his interpretation that women are supposed to be silent in church. And I know some of you, are, if you're getting all excited about that, yeah, I promise you don't understand the Scripture or the context in that point. And um, I said, so why don't you help me out? What are women supposed to do? Can they sing? Yeah, they can sing as long as they're on the floor, not on the stage. And I'm just thinking, brother, you've got some big problems. I don't know how your wife lives with you to begin with. But nevertheless, so we talked for a while, and he just said, I'm, I'm going to leave if you, unless you promise me this will never happen again. 
I go, well, I guess you're going to leave. You know, and you know, here's part of it was, he was giving a lot of money to our church at that time. And uh, I remember Brian and I talking, who's our associate, and I said, you know, he's going to get mad about something. I said, this is, this is ridiculous. We, we can't have this spirit in our church. And so I remember we said, uh, you know, this is not going to work. So he left. You know, it was weird. It was weird that the next week our church started growing. We'd kind of flattened out a little bit. It's in the first few. The next week we started growing. And I start, started thinking, what, what do you think it was like for new people when they came and they sat next to this guy? I mean, he was always, he always had that sour look on his face. He didn't welcome anybody. He was like the opposite of hospitality, I'll tell you that. I don't know if that was God or coincidence or both. But can I tell you, there's always going to be a diatrophies in your life that knows more than you, that's maybe stronger than you, but is not operating in the grace. They're only talking about, hey, I got the doctrine, I got the knowledge, I've studied, I've memorized, but where's the fruit? Your front wheel is really, really small. There's no grace in your heart. And that was Diotrephes. And John's calling him out on this. And he said, uh, he goes as far as to say, hey, and also, I, I want you to know, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate what is good. And whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil is from God. And then he gives another example, a guy named Demetrius. Demetrius is a servant. He doesn't appear to be any kind of leader. Matter of fact, he's the one that's been charged with taking this letter to the church. That's his job. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't have a big job. I'm, I'm in charge of dispensing communion or the, the offering plate or I'm, I'm working with little children or baby. You know, sometimes that's one of the most important things that can be done. You've got to have people trusted in those areas that sometimes we take for granted. And his job, Demetrius, is you get this letter to the church. That's what you do. You get this letter to church. But it's very important because we're reading it here 2,000 years later. And the Bible says Demetrius has received a good testimony. Now that's what you want right there. A good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write about to you, but I would rather not write in pen and ink. And John goes on to say, I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends uh, greet you, greet the friends, every one of them. So we see that Gaius, who is a, a leader, a godly leader, and he's having it to put up with a lot of opposition. We don't know his exact position in the church, but he's putting up with a lot of position from somebody who probably knows a lot of doctrine, a lot of Bible information, but has a small front wheel, has a small, a, a small life of grace. It's all about what's right, what's about for me, how can I profit? And he's never admitting this, but that's the spirit that he's demonstrating. And John writes a letter about him. And then he affirms the testimony of Gaius and Demetrius. Gaius, a guy who probably led, maybe was a teacher. And Demetrius, he's probably someone who just accepted Christ. And he was doing whatever he was asked to do. And he talks about their testimony. Hey, I want to close with this. I love Dr. E.V. Hill. Anybody remember E.V. Hill? Great pastor over in Los Angeles. Died a few years ago. He said, uh, one day he was preaching. He said, he goes, children, let me tell you something. One day, you're going to die. One day, you're going to cease to live here, and this is how it's going to happen. He says, you're going to die. He said, they're going to take you, and they're going to put your body in a box, and they're going to bring you out. They're going to sing some songs, and they're going to cry, and they're going to tell stories about you, and they're going to roll you out, and they're going to take you to the cemetery. They're going to say some more words about you. They're going to throw some dirt on your box. On your box, people are going to cry a little bit more, and then they're going to bury you, 
and then they're going to go back up to the fellowship hall, and they're going to eat potato salad. He goes, and that's why it's going to work. He said, at that point, nobody's going to care how big your house was. Nobody's going to care what kind of car you drove. Nobody's going to care what documents are on the wall. Nobody's going to care what was in your bank account. The only thing that's going to matter is your testimony. What was your testimony? What did you invest in? Who are the lives that you helped transform? Who did you allow the Holy Spirit to work through your life? It's only going to matter if you have a big front wheel and a big back wheel. Do you know Jesus and have you made him known? That's all that's going to matter is your testimony. So this morning, I ask you this morning, what is your testimony? Is your testimony a big front wheel and a big back wheel? Or is it a small front wheel and a big back wheel? What is your testimony?